Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, actually, to be honest, I could talk about this for ages because we had such a good time. Um, and I'd never done this sort of thing before and I wasn't quite sure what to expect. And, and Lindsay and I set off on our own at first, walked down John's Road, 20 yards from John's Road, we met a lady. And Lindsay says, good morning. And she says, good morning. And we end up praying for her. And we pray for a friend in America who's got breast cancer and doesn't have any health insurance. And she ends up in tears. And I'm thinking, whoa, we're only 20 yards from John's house. We've not even made the high street yet. Um, but yeah, and there's a number of things that happened uh, uh, that were really good fun. And really, you know, Lindsay just opened the door for me to give my testimony to people um, without warning me, of course, uh, that he was going to do that. Um, and that went really well. It was great, you know. Um, but there's, yeah, there's a... Many of you probably know there's a shop in Alpenton High Street um, called Skunk Works that sells drug paraphernalia. It doesn't actually sell drugs, but it sells the paraphernalia. And, you know, we hate the shop, but we love the people who work there. And we don't want it in our high street, really, but we don't want them to be unemployed either. So we were kind of debating that. And so Lindsay says, right, we're going in. So right, oh, good. So we stood outside and had a little prayer of protection first. And we stormed in, four of us. Um... And we got such a good reception. You know, Lindsay ended up behind the counter praying for this guy. And his friend came in and he said, don't go, I'll pray for you as well. And, you know, prayed for him too. And he was a lovely guy, wasn't he, Lindsay? He really had a spirit about him. And not he was a man who's not averse to problems. I mean, he's got a big scar right across his face where he was attacked by somebody with a knife. And, you know, but he you could just tell, even though he said, I don't believe in God and I believe you know, in other things and that. And Lindsay said, that's fine, but we believe in God and so we're going to share him with you and, you know, whether you like it or not. And, and I think we really blessed him and, and it, we had a lovely time in there in the end. And I thought to myself, why was I so worried about going in? When we were going in, I was thinking, oh, you know, this is going to be bad because they're going to, you know, not be good people in here and it just shows you what prejudices you have, you know. But we had a great time and we just prayed for loads of people. Um, and I just want to say that Lindsay taught me the meaning of the word boldness on Friday. So thank you, Lindsay. Bless you. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, it's been a true blessing to have been out with Lindsay over the last few days and in, indeed a, a sort of... Uh, down the high street just witnessing to people every sort of 10 yards. It, I've never known it takes sort of four hours to walk the length of Orbiton <laughs> High Street, but apparently it does. And uh, um, it, was, it was just great. And I saw some amazing things, sort of um, some girls in McDonald's went in there and witnessed to them. And Aida, who was with us, she uh, prayed for them and I took two of them accepted Jesus while we were there. Uh, yesterday afternoon, I, I, I accompanied Lindsay up to Star Lane site, and we went on there to see some of the um, the, the travelling community, and then carried on down the road there and prayed for some people and for healing. And they, it, it was just great. And I, I don't know, but it really gives you, shows you that you've got to have courage in these situations, and that is what we're here for it's not just for us it's not a closed club it's an open invitation for everyone and you can sometimes you are the only means of getting the word to those people because they're all they don't mean to be but they're heathens they're all shut up in their own little world as I was so I know exactly and it was Lindsay who who rescued me so it was great and I thank him for a great time and we've, we've got to carry on doing this sort of thing here because it's really proactive and it's what's got to be done Thanks.
Would you speak through this passage, Lord? Would you speak the word of God, I pray? Would you speak, Lord God, I pray, Father, if I could somehow go and sit down again and you could just say this yourself, Lord, I'd be grateful. Lord, I just pray, Lord God, that you will speak and speak to us and cause it a reality in our life, Lord, to be outworked in our life, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'd love that, you know. I kept on saying to old John, you you do a better, better job preaching this passage, but the Spirit of God will do it, hopefully. Okay. Authentic, 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 authentic. That's a word John said to me sometimes through all our conversations through the week. Authentic. I want to be authentic. Don't you want to be an authentic Christian? I don't want to be a play actor. I don't want to be somebody who's been brought up with this stuff that's just going through the motions, that is just sort of, this is, we're just churchy people and we do churchy things and say churchy things and, and pray in a certain way. I want to be a real Christian. I do. And I know what a fake I am. And I know how weak I am and how, how lacking in confidence I am. And I know all this stuff. I told all the men's group on, on Monday night, you know, I am just nothing and I feel nothing and you do as well. I hope. Unless you're super Christians. God has chosen to use people like you and I. People that feel our weakness and he's, he's challenging us. And the phrase that he gave me, I hope it was him. And the phrase I've got for you this morning is a challenge. And we always don't like challenges because they're scary. But the challenge for this morning, I can call the great alternative. The great alternative. And I want to put you in the picture. I want to read a passage. It's quite a long passage, but we will preach halfway through the passage. All the way through the passage. We'll try and get what, the word, what I believe the word of God is saying. And it's 3,000 years old, but it might as well be uh, for the 21st of April, whatever date it is. 2013, it is absolutely applicable to today, to us at Green Street Green, us that live in Christendom in this time of our existence. Let's read it. I'll just give you the background. This, this could be very much like 1939, maybe. Uh, well, well, like the beginning of Dad's Army. You know, who do you think you're kidding, Mr. Hitler, where, where you see the sort of Nazi, the Nazi arrow pointing towards England, you know? And it's pointing, and it's poised, poised at England to take over. You know, can you get the picture? And uh, it wasn't Neville Chamberlain in this passage. It wasn't Churchill, Attlee, or any of these guys. It was a guy called Jehoshaphat. That's the background. Let me start. If you want to look for it in the Bible, it's two Chronicles, two Chronicles, chapter twenty. You might spend the whole service trying to find Chronicles, but it's two Chronicles. <laughs> Chapter 20. So if you want to listen to it, that's fine. But it's a great passage. It's a fantastic passage. You'll see what I mean when we get going. What a passage it is. Okay, here we go. Verse 2. We've got the king here. Word reached Jehoshaphat that a vast army is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea from Syria. It's already at En Gedi. Jehoshaphat was badly shaken. By this news. Now, I don't know if you've had in your life things that have knocked you off your horse, badly shaken by this news. And you know, sometimes we think when these ha- things happen, we think this is, oh, we blame the devil, we blame everything. But sometimes God uses these occasions where it all seems to be messy. It doesn't seem to be like sweet and and serene and gentle and nice and all gooey. It's a flipping mess. 
And we feel like we're so useless as Christians, we get into a panic and we fall off our horse and we feel so useless. And yet God chooses these things to get us praying, to get us back to reality street. There was some great Christian, I don't know who he was, but he's a good bloke, give him a medal. He said, God lives at Desperation Corner. Isn't that great? God lives at Desperation Corner. And if you look at the corner of the street that he lives on, Desperation Corner is called Reality Street because it gets us back to being real again. We say, God, I can't do this stuff. Every time I put my cross on my shoulder, I can't do this stuff. I'm scared. And when God says, go into that place, talk to that bloke, he looks like he's going to bite my head off. And I say, God, I can't do it. Reality Street. That's what God is calling the great British church today to Reality Street. We've got a country that has been taken over by political correctness where we're not allowed to talk about Jesus freely in case we upset somebody. The enemy poised at the gate. Do you see it? The great British church? Who do you think you're kidding, Mr. Saint? (laughs) Really? This is it. This is the spirit of God speaking. He's saying to the great British church, you are the answer to the enemy. Only the church in Great Britain is the answer to what we're facing. We're all he's got. And that's how we felt at the beginning of the Second War. My mate Merrill confessed his weakness. And I stand with him, we all stand together. And Winston Churchill addressed the crowd. He said, I don't offer you anything, I offer you blood, I offer you sweat, I offer you tears. He knew the score more than anybody. He knew that by rights we should be invaded. But he believed in victory. Isn't that great? For years as Christians, we have believed that we're on the back foot, that we are the quiet Christian who doesn't say anything. The grey man. We love to be the grey man because nobody's going to pick on us. It's not scary. Winston Churchill stood like a bulldog and he put his fingers up like that. And he's known throughout eternity as a man of victory. God's saying to you, Adrian, you're a man of victory. We could go through every name. Lindsay Heyman, you're a man of victory. And I, I want to argue with God. I want to say, God, you've got the wrong man. I'm not a man of victory. I'm a man of failure. I'm a man of nervousness. I'm a frightened little boy who's only 10 years old and he's sitting in that classroom and the teacher's talking to him and he's wanting to wet himself. That's me. Maybe that's you. But we're all he's got. Badly shaken. Let's let's press on. And he determined, I love this bit, he determined to beg for help from the Lord. So what did he do? He announces to all the people of Judah that they should go without food for a time in penitence and intercession before God. People from all over across the nation came to Jerusalem to plead unitedly with him. Jehoshaphat stood among them as they gathered at the new court of the temple and prayed this prayer. This is great stuff. He says to us British Christians, you're absolutely true British Christians. You can't do it. You are not in yourself an answer to what's happening in Great Britain. You're easily overcome. But he says, hey, 
on the overcomer. Are you going to get down to prayer? Are you going to mean it as a church? Wouldn't it be great if the whole of Orpington Church took this stuff seriously? Wouldn't it be great if you had prayer meetings where the power of God was moving with Orpington Baptists and New Life Frontiers and, and the Methodists and everybody that loves Jesus was praying these prayer meetings and the power of God was moving. I had a picture, I shared it with John and I shared it with Tony Hall or whoever was there, I can't remember, Martin Travis. It's a picture that God has given me and he won't let me shut up about it. And it's a picture of the pastors and they're kneeling down with the bums on their ear and the heads next to the heads of the other pastors and they're praying. There was a whole group of them, maybe five of them, and they're not praying for their own church. They're praying for the other man's church and they're weeping and crying and the emotion is there. God is saying, this is what I want in Orpington. This is what I want before, throughout Great Britain. I want pastors to lay down their, lay down their false pride and, 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 and false humanity and say, we can't do it, God. We cannot see Britain turn round. We're begging for help, the power of God to move. Let's carry on. Let's see what, what happens in this incredible situation. This is, it's incredible stuff. In this, in this passage. O oh Lord, our God, our fathers, the only God in all the heavens, the ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth, you are so powerful, so mighty, who can stand against you? Oh God, didn't you drive out the heathen who lived in this land when your people arrived? Didn't you give this land forever to the descendants of your, your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple for you. Truly believing that in a time like this, Hear the word of God. At a time like this, whenever we faced with any calamity such as war and disease or famine, we can stand here before this temple and before you, for you are here in this temple. And we can cry out to you to save us and you will hear us and rescue us. I want to say what happened this morning when the Spirit of God was here. This is what God is doing amongst you. This is not just good music that is causing our, our emotions to get stirred up. And so that's what's happening. This is the spirit of God stirring up and he's saying, Church, I want you to worship. I've appointed worship leaders and worship players. And your, 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 your appointment in the church is because I want your church to start to worship me because I want to exist in your temple. Because you're facing, you're facing war. You're facing calamity. You're facing starvation. And believe me, I am not blind. Don't you see the war that is amongst us where I could be arrested tomorrow for carrying a cross in, in London? I already had two street constables having a go at me. You know, wanting to know what I was doing. There is a section of law where I could be arrested already if I walked through a certain part of London. I hope you paid a bail. <laughs> starvation. Starvation. We have developed a comfortable Christianity where as long as we sing these choruses and do this and do that, that's the comfortable stuff. But we're starving. We're starving spiritually. We're living in a nation that is starving spiritually where I can preach in India and I can see the Holy Spirit move. I do the same thing in Great Britain and nothing happens. Because we're starving spiritually. Hallelujah. God saying, for such a time as this, today, I'm calling you to come to the temple and to take this worship thing seriously. 
we might overrun. They then poured out the situation. They were very honest to God. God wants honesty. He wants to say, I'm angry. He wants to say, I'm depressed. He wants to hear the problems. This is me. This is the mess, Lord. He wants to hear our, our prayer meetings. have got to get more honest, I tell you. We've got to be so honest in our prayer meetings. They lay it out before God and say, look, this is the situation. And we get to a verse which I want, to, I want you to cut out of your Bible, hopefully an old one, and I want you to stick it on one of those fridge magnets on your fridge. And I want you to have this ingrained in your very spirit. It's a great verse. It's fantastic. Here we go. Verse 12. Jehoshaphat, we don't know what to do, but we are looking to you. Isn't that fantastic? Isn't that what the church, if we're honest, we have our conferences, we read our books, and we we have everything going for us. We are high, sophisticated, high technology Christianity. But the truth is, we don't know what to do, and we're looking to God for the answers. When I walk out of my comfort zone down into the street, I'm saying to Jesus, I don't know what to do, but I'm looking to you. Walk past a casino in Albania, heavy-duty atmosphere of, of, of drugs and, uh, and people holding hands with each other and doing all sorts of stuff in the street, and there's casinos everywhere. And God said to me, go in and pray. And we say, God said, I don't know whether it's God or not. I've got an idea in my head to go in and pray for the manager. I talked to the guy, and he says, oh, the manager's upstairs. I go and see the manager. And there's this heavy-duty bloke who looks like your criminal friend on the, on the cover of that book last night. And I'm thinking, I don't know what to do. The only thing I've got from God is, 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 is that, that I've got to go up and pray for him. Story of my life. I don't know what I'm doing. I really don't. So I say, are you the manager? And he says, yes, I am the manager. That was... I said, I've been called to come in here and pray for you. Oh, that is very nice. No, no, no. I want to pray for you now. Oh. I grabbed his hand and pulled his hand towards my chest. As I did that, the Holy Spirit came on me. The Holy Spirit came on me. The presence of God came on me. And I'm praying in tongues with this guy with his hand against my chest. And about after about two minutes of this going on, beautiful feeling the presence of God, I suddenly thought, hang about, this looks really weird. I'm standing here holding this man's hand. And I thought, I better stop now. You think I'm a bit funny, you know. And that was me. But the Holy Spirit had different plans carried on praying and eventually I let go and, and, it, and he was totally stunned kind of wow wow and you know what I didn't know what to do then I didn't know what to do I just said okay thank you much <laughs> and I went out and it happened yesterday big big black Land Rover big black effort millions of pounds worth of vehicle there and I felt the Lord saying pray for that man in that vehicle so I knocked on the window and he pushed the button down. There's a big guy there, heavy duty. And I didn't know what I was going to say to him. And I said, um, I said, um, I work, um, I work under the authority of the Holy Spirit. I said. And he looked at me, and I said, and God's told me to pray for you. Uh, is that right? So what's your name? He said, No, you don't know my name, man. See what's going on here. Don't know my name. 
wouldn't, you know, the proud, I don't know what it's about. I prayed, I prayed in tongues a bit. I prayed for his family, I prayed for him. But I only know that's part of God's plan. God is saying, you don't have to know the whole story. Just do the little bit I tell you to do. We don't know what to do, Lord, but we're looking to you. And then what happens then? I'll, I'll move on very quickly now. But somebody in the audience, the spirit of the Lord comes upon him and, and he starts prophesying. And the Lord's saying to us British Christians, I want you to see the prophetic coming into your prayer meetings. And you will speak and you will say things. We had a situation with David Woods, a lovely young pastor. We're praying for people and then, then he's starting to operate under the prophetic. He sees pictures when he prays for people. He's only a young fellow, isn't he? Shining, an ex-policeman. And he says to this woman, he says, I see a picture of a young girl doing hula hoops. And she's really happy. And you've lost it because you're not happy anymore. Because you used to be a lovely, happy child. And you're not anymore. And she says, it's true, I'm full of fear. I'm full of fear. See, that's the prophetic. That's the prophetic. It's so powerful. My wife, she's... She said to me one day, we've got to go to the art block because there's a woman in black that's going to come out of the art block and I got to talk to her. And I thought, flipping heck, this is a bit scary. And a woman in black comes out of the art block and, and, and my wife says, I've got to talk to you about Jesus. And she says, no, no, don't talk to me. I'm a Satanist. You don't want to talk to me. And Debbie says, yes, I do, darling. My Jesus went to hell for you. And she starts preaching. And my wife is as timid as the person. And she starts preaching. She's on a roll. I didn't get a word in edgeways. Before long, there's a great crowd round. The whole art block came out. And my wife, my, my, my timid wife, is operating on the Holy Spirit. The prophetic. The prophetic. God wants to bring this stuff into our experience. Yes. Let's press on. Just a few more fridge magnets. The Lord says, don't be afraid. Don't be paralyzed by this mighty army. Here we go. Fridge magnet number two. For the battle is not yours. But God's, cut it out. The battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down and attack them. You'll find them coming up the slopes of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness to Jerul. But you'll not need to fight. And here we have fridge magnet number three. Ready? Take your places. Stand quietly. And see the incredible rescue operation God will perform for you. Take your places, stand quietly. Don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. Fridge magnet number five. Go out there tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Go out there tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Joseph fell to the ground. He fell to the ground, he meant business with God. You know what he does? He gets his praise troops into operation. This is what happens. Early next morning, the army of Judah came out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and called them to attention. Listen to me, O people of Judah and Jerusalem, he said. Believe in the Lord your God and you will have success. Believe his prophets, everything will be all right. After consultation with the leaders of the people, he determined that there should be a choir. Can you get this, guys? There should be a choir leading the march clothed in sanctified gardens and singing this song, his loving kindness is forever. And as they walked along, praising and thanking the Lord, at that moment, as soon as they began to sing and praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab and Mount Sire 
to begin fighting amongst themselves and destroyed each other. And they returned to Jerusalem. Jehoshaphat, full of joy, marched in Jerusalem, accompanied by a band of harps, lyres and trumpets, and proceeded to the temple. And as, as had happened before, the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel. The fear of God fell upon them, so Jehoshaphat's kingdom was quiet, for his God had given them rest. Now, I believe, Lord, I believe that we have heard a challenge. A challenge to Green Street Green, but to the, to, to the British church. Are you going to stay in your air raid shelters? Or are you going to get them spitfires roaring? And some of you in this church are called to be street evangelists. And you're spitfires, and you feel as, as inadequate as I do, and Jehoshaphat did, and the people of Judah. You feel the same. But he's saying, I've appointed you as a spitfire. And I want you to start roaring with the intention that you're not going to stay in your hangar, you're not going to stay there in your comfort zone, and you are going to get out into the streets, and God is going to use you. But he wants you to get up there, to soar up there in praise, to soar up there in worship with the power of God. You know what? I, I see that praise and worship, they just go hand in hand. Hand in hand. I remember being on the streets of, King, of King's Cross with all this drug dealing going on and prostitution going on. I used to get done by the police quite regularly because I used like a drug addict, all skinny, droopy moustaches, greasy hair. And it was all going on outside King's Cross station. And the local church, Methodist church, decided to bring praise and worship out in the open and did business with the satanic powers praising and worship out and open. And I used to warn myself against the, the beautiful praise and worship that was going on outside King's Cross with these, these, these simple, simple souls, simple Christians, praising and worship God. And then I'd go out and I'd wish to witness a bit and get really burnt out and come back and, and get sort of souped up on, on God's presence as they praised and worshipped. And then a guy came along and he, and he said, what's going on here? And I said, these are Christians praising and worshipping God. And he said, well, what can God do for me? What can Jesus do for me? And I said, well, I, I, I could pray for you if you want. He says, go on then. So I closed my eyes to put my hand up in the air and I started asking God to bless him. Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus, come Lord God, touch this young man. Oh God, praise you Jesus. I started praying in tongues. I could hear the worship going on behind me. I was feeling great. Oh, God, God, just do it, Lord Jesus. I felt so, so full of Jesus because of the worship. And I opened my eyes. There's nobody there. <laughs> and I looked down. He's on the floor. And he opens his eyes. He says, wow. He says, how did you do that? And I said the truth. I said, I haven't done anything. I haven't done anything. The Holy Spirit has just touched you. You see, praise and action go together. And I want to challenge you, church. I want to say, get your worship out in the open. Whatever happened this morning, get it out there in the white heart on a Monday night. Come on, look, take the battle to the enemy. That's what the Spirit of God is saying. Go, take the wonderful presence of Jesus that you've got here and take it to the darkness. We've got to shine the light in the dark places. He will move. You know what? You'll find that everything that you're worried about comes to nothing. The battle belongs to the Lord. God does it. We come back on a Sunday morning just report, report, repeating back, reporting back, just as we have today. 
God's done this, God's done that, and it's all in a state of worship. Church, I want to finish by saying this. The Lord says you've got a great alternative. You could stay in your air raid shelter. And in Albania, they've got big air raid shelters like this, where the people were going to stay when the Americans were going to invade. In their air raid shelters. And in Great Britain, we've got lots of air raid shelters. They're called St. Mark's and St. Joseph's and Green Street Green. Yeah? And we can stay. That's the alternative, you see. We could be the safe Christians. Yeah, the secure, the sensible ones. The ones that don't get arrested, don't get into trouble, but don't see the hand of God either. Or we could get out of our air raid shelter where it's scary, where we could be rejected, where we won't know what to say. We don't know what's going to happen. And God starts doing his wonders. Wouldn't you have loved to be there in the Second World War watching those dogfights? Seeing the Spitfires shooting down Messer Smiths? I would have. Yes, to see Churchill's victory in the sky? Yes. That's what God is calling us as Christians in Great Britain today to do. The great alternative. The authentic. Amen. John.